I'm Lauren Weymouth, director at Ripple, which is a global fintech company. I don't often talk about Ripple on the show, but given our topic today is about digital finance revolution and its effect on sustainability, how the financial sector is key for all economic activities, from payment infrastructures to directing capital and offering investment opportunities, Ripple is central to this. Since inception, we've understood the potential of crypto to transform the global financial system. From changing the way money moves across the globe through near instant payment settlement, to the way we borrow and loan money through DeFi platforms. And the finance sector invests in companies that have high impact on sustainability. We're waking up to the need for green initiatives that move the world in a more sustainable direction. Now, arguably, there are many drivers to reaching sustainable development goals. For one, we're focusing on recovering from the pandemic and generating breakthroughs in collaboration. Companies race to become carbon neutral. We're using stimulus money that is green to kickstart environmental renewals, not polluting industries. Governments are incentivizing taxes based on cleaner versus dirtier fuels. We're putting price tags on unrecycled plastics and other landfill behavior. There's so much to do here, and today we'll focus on novel approaches and sustainability driven by financial technology. Joining us is Dr. Thomas Pushman from the Department of Banking and Finance at University of Switzerland. We were actually set to record this together in Ripple's San Francisco headquarters, but COVID thwarted that appointment. Like so many other events in our lives, we're talking remotely. Thomas has spent decades at the nexus of tech and business and founded the Swiss FinTech Innovation Lab, one of the first FinTech research labs worldwide. He has always been a pioneer. He brought the first local government in Germany online in the early 1990s and introduced the internet at Siemens. I've had the pleasure of spending time with him when he is stateside as a visiting scholar at Stanford, and I'm excited to share his work with you. Welcome, Thomas. Thank you very much, Lauren, for your kind introduction and also for having me. It's a great pleasure, and I still remember the two of us sitting in San Francisco and discussing our new research program on sustainable digital finance, which evolved at that time as an entirely new research field at Stanford. It was an exciting year there as the sustainability topic more and more converged with the fintech domain. I must say the topic has evolved constantly, and I'm very enthusiastic now about this, as I see that there is at least as much potential in this field like there was in the web in its early days, where we were programming the first websites for, as you mentioned, the local governments in Germany and also some big businesses in the early 1990s. So both the hardware and the software at that time was rather limited. So we used acoustics couplers to dive into the web, which were able to transfer 9,600 bits per second. That were really pioneer times. If you look at the effort now that you have to undertake, for example, to access important environmental data from satellites or other things, it gives you a glimpse of what lies ahead of us. So I think we are almost at the same moment in time that we were many, many years ago now with a totally different topic. I'm really looking forward to it. Starting at the beginning, for those who are not familiar with the term fintech or financial technology, can you give us a quick overview of what this term means, what's encompassed by this? Yeah, the term fintech is a contraction of financial and technology and was most probably first mentioned in the early 1990s by Citicorp's chairman John Reed in the context of a newly founded smart card forum consortium, which focused on standardizing, at that time, chip-based personal cards in partnership with some 60 partner firms. 
This consortium-based approach is in sharp contrast to what the banking industry has done before, where every financial institution was developing its own solutions. So it was more of a collaborative approach. And that is exactly what we are seeing as a core component also of today's fintech approaches. This means that as an umbrella term, fintech encompasses innovative financial solutions enabled by IT. And in addition, it is often also used for startup companies who deliver those solutions. It's more of an institutional view with the startups, and it also has some kind of a functional view, which covers solutions in payments, in financing, and also in investments. The well-known examples are cryptocurrency payments or peer-to-peer lending, robo-advisors, and so on. It sounds like you've been following it for over 20 years. What other changes have you seen throughout the decades? Well, if you look at the industry right now, it is reported that we have around 20,000 or even more of such startups in that field. When I look back to 2008, 2009, when we launched one of the first banking IT innovation awards in the German-speaking area, by the way, Finnovate was held 2007 for the first time in New York City, so that was also very early. Most of the solutions at that time that were submitted to this award were centered around payments. So it was very much focused on peer-to-peer payments, group payments. Over the time, the wealth tech area emerged with online portfolio optimization, robo-advisors, social banking, and so on. Then we saw the financing field, which grew as a third domain with firms that focused on online credits and areas like buy now, pay later, something that we are currently seeing also. Only since about 2017 then, we saw the InsurTech field joining the FinTech club. Those were applications like pay as you drive in the auto insurance field or demand insurances. More recently, DeFi, decentralized finance came around as a fifth area, which covers everything, which we already touched, but is really focusing on disintermediating all these new approaches very much focusing on peer-to-peer transaction. So this is an entirely new cryptocurrency-oriented infrastructure we are seeing there, which is evolving around all digital currencies and coins and involves new roles like wallet providers, exchanges, mining services, hardware providers, custody providers, and many, many more. It's kind of an evolution that we could see over those five phases within a time frame of like 15 years or so. We can really hear the key elements on how it impacts all economic activities. Now, Thomas, your LinkedIn profile says, Digital Shaper Switzerland. Can you explain that to us? <laughs> so every year, the Swiss monthly issued magazine, uh, which is called Bilanz, together with Digital Switzerland, which is the Swiss Digitalization Association that comprises most of the firms and public organizations and universities in Switzerland, elects the top 100 digital shapers, which foster digitalization and innovation in Switzerland and also internationally. And they're focusing on different categories. They're awarding corporates, investors, and also thinkers from universities. I was elected to that category in 2020. That's something that you get invited to. (laughs) Awesome. All right. So now that we've laid the groundwork, tell us how fintech and blockchain cryptocurrency drive the economy toward more sustainable development. 
So if you look at the financial system, which is currently being transformed by fintech and sustainability in parallel, which we can explore and observe all over the globe, I believe that fintech can be a catalyst for sustainability. Let me give you an example for that. In the 2015 Paris Climate Agreement, the international community agreed to limit global warming to well below 2 degrees Celsius compared to the pre-industrial level and agreed on a set of binding rules for implementation. And more than 190 countries support this. So to comply with this below 2 degree limit, significant structural emissions reductions are necessary on a global level. And in order to achieve this, global emissions must be halved by 2050. And this requires a comprehensive decarbonization process for entire economies on a global scale. But if you look at the global fuel reserves known today that contain approximately 2,860 gigatons of carbon, of which 1,541 gigatons are in the balance sheets of listed companies as assets. However, the remaining emissions budgets that we have to achieve that Paris goals is around 900 gigatons by 2050, with only around 75 gigatons remaining for the second half of the century. So this results in really a substantial carbon risk for investors and asset owners, which, which is often termed as the carbon bubble, stranded assets or transformation risks. And I think this example also shows that the financial system plays a major role for sustainability. However, one of the major challenges of sustainable finance is the availability of data, which can in most cases only be uncovered by the use of technology. And we can see that innovative startups, therefore, include the sustainable development goals as a core component in their business models, which is in contrast to the incumbent firms. The idea that a business activity can result in financial, social and environmental benefits without any profit compromise is absolutely in line of what we are seeing here in terms of sustainability. All right. So some inventions have materialized in the market startups that are commercializing, what are some of your favorite examples that are helping to achieve the sustainable development goals of the UN? So we looked at 126 startups in a recent analysis and came up with some really interesting examples in the most important industries. So if you look in financial services more specifically, that is, of course, impacting investment. People can invest in companies that are sustainable. For that, of course, you need data in order to verify if a company is really sustainable, which requires either the right data or certified intermediaries. A second field there is financing solutions for sustainability projects of all kinds, such as solar projects in developing countries or even in Western countries. Another example is a marketplace that brings together startups and investors or an investment community dedicated to renewable energy investing and sustainable energy solutions. Or think of risk management solutions for the evaluation of sustainability risks. If you go into other industries like the energy sector, we also have touch points where the financial services sector can really play a big role. So the energy industry is responsible for around 70% of all greenhouse gas emissions and therefore has a huge impact. If you look, for example, at digital platforms, 
for electric vehicle charging on a marketplace that directly connects companies with green energy producers as well as an energy trading platform that allows selling and buying renewable energy. These are examples that are very important there and also require financial services for payments and all other functions as a core component. Or think of emissions trading, which currently evolves as an important instrument also for which blockchains hold promising potentials. Today, this market is mainly focused on big industrial emitters of carbon pollution due to the high transaction costs. If we could use blockchain for that and could reduce the transaction costs by, for example, combining blockchain solutions with IoT and automating the analysis of pollution levels, this would really bring us forward. Or think of the SME segment, the expansion to smaller companies would also increase the reach of carbon trading if we would put that on blockchains. A third field or sector is uh, governments, uh, which are also very strongly involved in that field. If you think of entrepreneurship and investing in many countries, the achievement of the sustainability development goals is currently being connected to this field. For example, the Swiss entrepreneurship program focuses on supporting innovation ecosystems in other countries by using fintech rather than by providing only money for self-development. I think this is also an important field. And think of public funding schemes or blended finance that could also be fostered by fintech initiatives. That's all. I think this is also an important field. Financial inclusion, if we go away from the green fintech, is also very important and also has some kind of connections here. If you think of agricultural supply chains that allow farmers in some countries for more sophisticated financing solutions and connections to the unbanked, I think this is an important last mile application there. Uh, so there are many, many examples around, not only in the financial sector, but also in, in many other industries which have connections to it. Well, thank you for sharing these current initiatives that are helping innovation and fostering green fintech. You have conducted literature review on hundreds of academic papers, as well as analyzed hundreds of startups in this field and developed an agenda. Can you talk about the platform you are building? So what we are currently working on is establishing a more global platform. As we were in the beginning, more focusing on the Swiss initiatives we think that the momentum for this is really great. Also having a partnership with Stanford University as they are just recently launched a new school of sustainability. With this platform, then we aim at integrating the innovation value chain between academia, public and private organizations by bridging ideation for new ideas, acceleration and also incubation by focusing on three major pillars here. So one is clearly on research. That is something we are strong for years. The other is more focused on creating impact as we can't just stop on the research side as the borders between academic research and innovation and impact really blur. Also to bring entrepreneurs and other visionaries together over this platform to discuss new ideas and also to crowdsource new ideas. And finally, of course, education is also something which is very important for, for us. Now, you mentioned partnership with Stanford Sustainability Project. Are there other partners that you're incorporating into this? 
yeah, we are also talking to other relevant stakeholders from the ecosystem, like financial institutions, for example, and other, other visionaries. It is planned to launch that by next year and really to come up with a more global platform for this new topic then. Now, you recently ran a global sustainable digital finance forum. I'm sure you invited these stakeholders and parties to that. What were the highlights addressed? That was a really a, a fantastic event. It featured speakers from Oxford University and from MIT, as well as from some public and private organizations. And the discussions were centered around the before-mentioned questions of how can we ensure and standardize data, more reliable data for sustainability reporting and evaluating firms. And that was one of the key questions. We also invited applications for the first innovation award in this field and awarded two firms here. One was Club Balance Bank. It's one of the world's oldest banks in this category, which was founded already back in 1995. They came up with a novel approach uh, to analyze investment portfolios for their climate impact measured in the degree. So you can just share your portfolio with them and you can then see what it really means for the Paris Agreement, which is really good. The second winner was a startup called Corentix that developed supply chain finance risk solutions, which allows users to determine real-time risks based on real-time data. And we're also holding their conference again in 2022. How do you go about encouraging startups that have sustainability, digital and finance as part of their business model? This is also part of the platform that we are currently building. What we saw in our analysis was from these more than 20,000 fintech startups, only a few of them are really incorporating these sustainable development goals. So this is an emerging field. So for this, I think it's very important to really demonstrate that it's holding great potentials for them. And as a startup, if you are focusing on fintech, that was something which was very successful over the past years, also to receive funding from venture capitalists. If you now combine that with the question of how you can address sustainability, I think it will be even more easy if you look at the European Commission, for example, that really is focusing on digitalization and on green finance for the next decade. I think there is plenty of room for innovation here. That's great. This might be too big of a question, but I, I wonder it myself because there seems to be so much out there to invest in when it comes to us all trying to overcome global challenges. How can the listener contribute to steering private capital towards overcoming global challenges? How can we weed through all the options out there with startups that, you know, there's Kickstarter and Republic and, and avenues to invest in a lot of these green technologies? What would you recommend? Well, of course, we can all contribute to become more sustainable in our daily lives. So there are tools out there already which allow you to analyze your spending behavior, whether this is sustainable or not. And these tools also give you recommendations of what you could improve. For example, if your energy provider is sustainable, if your food that you buy is sustainable or your clothes or anything. So this is something which is really good where you can just have a first analysis. Then, of course, starting investing in firms is something where you can also become more sustainable in the, in the future. Clearly, there are 
applications around which allow you to more precisely invest in really those firms that are more sustainable than other ones. You're talking about actively being more conscious about the brands that we buy into and support, knowing right. their behaviors and yeah. whether or not they're sustainable, and then also making investments in funds that support sustainable companies exactly. or practices. Yes. Right. Got it. Yeah. It could also be like credits. There are some so-called green credit possibilities around now. So there are different options now that you really could use. Yeah. So Thomas, we're on the verge of 2022. What's next for you and the Swiss FinTech Innovation Lab? So I think talking to some other stakeholders that are relevant in this field and to extend our platform to become more global, I think is very important now. There are some activities out of Switzerland as well. G20 Tech Sprint, for example, for central banks that was on Green FinTech just recently. It is also planned to expand that. The Green FinTech Network that was co-founded also together with the Swiss government is also something we want to extend and also position internationally. So there are many avenues right now which we are exploring, but I think most importantly, staying with the topic itself because it has just started. Is there anything else you wanted to share with us today? Thank you very much, Lauren. It was a great pleasure. Well, where can our listeners learn more about what you're doing? SwissFintechInnovationLab.ch. Go on, on that website. You can learn everything about our research and also about our projects. And of course, you can reach out to me in person via email or phone, whatever you like. I'm very happy to answer every question. So glad to hear you're open. Thomas, you've studied hundreds of global startups focused on this sustainability and financial technology, providing solutions for environmental, social and government topics to identify major trends in the financial sector future. We enjoyed hosting you on Uber's podcast all about blockchain. And thank you for your work on impact. Listeners, thanks for giving us your time today and continue giving feedback to my Ubri at ripple.com email. If you have any questions about this episode or feedback for new episodes, please reach out. Until next time. <laughs>